Thank you so much for joining us on another edition of Tifosi Football Radio with the Euro 2020 coverage. My name is Christian Valdez-Dutakio. And this is Juliano Caleri. And it is Friday, June the 11th. Once again, thanks for joining us. Just finished watching a beautiful Italian display in the second half. Italy. Complete domination. Yeah. The second half was a whole different story. Italy, 3-0 victors over Turkey, in case you missed it. Uh, If you missed it today... Watch the repeat tonight. Don't worry about the first half. Enjoy the second half. Great way to start the tournament. Nothing like the Stadio Olimpico opening up the tournament in Rome. Andrea Bocelli. Andrea Bocelli. It was a great opening ceremony. And who could forget Alessandro Nesta and Francesco Totti literally starting it off. That's great. Flashbacks. Absolutely. That was fantastic. So let's get right into the game. So Italy come out. Essentially the same formation against the Czechs. Same formation, same starting lineup. Yep, Verratti pulling out because of injury. Yeah. Uh, so Pellegrini yesterday pulling yes. out of this tournament because of injury. Uh, so the injuries have uh, have piled up. Uh, to replace Lorenzo Pellegrini because it's before the technically before the tournament, Mancini can make that switch. And he has brought in the Bares Gaetano Castrovilli. Will yes. we see him play? I don't know. But uh, that is who's been brought in. But let's just jump right into this game right away. What did you think of the opening half? Uh, opening half was a bit frustrating. A couple of guys especially were frustrating on the ball. And Sini, I've known, fr- say for the entire game, was very frustrating on the ball. Yeah. To watch yeah. just too many touches coming from Insigne, too indecisive in his passes. But there were... A lot of good po- – there are a lot of positives too. And I, w- yeah. I just want to give credit where it's due. Giorgio Chiellini, he seemed to be the protagonist of the game, was on the ball the most. Yeah, which was uh, surprising. He, he, we, were call- we were calling him Pirlo yeah. uh, because he kept getting on the ball, wanted to make the passes. No one else from the midfield really wanted to take initiative, which surprised me. But Chiellini, whether it was on purpose – for Chiellini to control the you know the play, if that was designed through Mancini, or if or if the Turks were just standing off Chiellini, we you yeah. know we're not hundred percent sure. But Chiellini did great on the ball, and uh, yeah, was happy give, with his performance. So you, yeah, you got to give credit where it's due, and to Toucan Sam, hey, you played a phenomenal game, Giorgio. I mean, uh, I know I give you a lot of garbage uh, throughout the season for the podcast, but uh, you really proved a great point. You put in a huge performance today both on the ball, off the ball, defensively, yeah. offensively. It was a fantastic performance from our captain. And, and that was that's what I was going to say, our captain. This yeah. was, was this type of performance exactly from our captain, the way, even from the anthem, the way he, he got emotional, the one that started playing, yeah. it, it felt good to see the captain yeah. getting that involved emotionally. Yeah. So, Chiellini, this was an excellent starting game for yeah. Italy, and he had a huge part to do with this. So, you know, big shout-out for Chiellini. Yeah. What did you think uh, also about the first half, Christian? Uh, I mean, uh, yeah, everything went through Giorgio Chiellini. And uh, I, I know we'll talk a little bit more in the second half. But in the first half, all I could see and all we could see on the on the screen, on the screen, was coming back, going back to Giorgio. Everything was going back to Giorgio. But once it was going back to Giorgio or Bonucci, all you see is Florenzi wide open, that whole right side, wide open, wide open. And they were never going to the right side. I mean, towards the end of the second half, they were going towards the right side. But everything was at the start being forced through the left side. Uh, but, hey, I mean, uh, on the left side, I mean, Lorenzo Insigne, too many touches, I agree with you, on the ball. But the one guy I want to shout out for on the left side, Leonardo Spinazzola totally shredding 
the uh, the Turkish national team on the on the left side. And full credit to him. I mean, he's in his home stadium. As a fellow Romanista, I I was absolutely impressed with him first half and second half. Uh, the way he walked in with the ball. A couple of questionable calls, not on Spinazzola, but a couple. He was he played a big part in them. Uh, a really there was a blatant handball towards the end of the first half. They went to VAR and they still didn't call it. The arm was up. So I mean, the first one where the arm was to his side, I mean, you where can't do anything. Sure, yeah, you can't do anything about that. But with the arm up, come on. I mean, that's a that's a blatant penalty. But it's funny because uh, before the game, we found out who the referee was and where he was from, and Giuliano <laughs> Giuliano's like, "This guy's gonna cause problems." We know how much the Dutch love the Italians. Yeah, so. exactly. So, uh, but what what do we think about the Turks though? So we had you had them as one of his semifinalist yeah. favorites. Uh, honestly, not I'll, looking too good in this. I'll game. tell you right now, I honestly think they're gonna figure it out against the Swiss and against uh, the whale. The well, sorry, the Welsh. The Welsh. Yes, that's what the term I was looking for. I honestly think they're gonna figure it out. This game, they played very conservative, very scared. Tried to sit back, tried to counterattack, couldn't get anything done. Honestly, they came into this game thinking, let's just get out of. Let's just get out of Rome unscathed. With a tie, yeah. With a tie. And let's go take care of business in Baku in Azerbaijan, which is essentially like a home game for Turkey. Because Turkey's playing both. I think, believe their next two games are in Baku uh, against Switzerland and Wales. So they can still take care of business. I'm not worried about them. They start out start out of the gate slow. And I think they're going to work their way up. They, they found the kinks that they need to work out in this team. They looked really disjointed, but... They really tried to come in and they just came in and sat back. That's not the Turkey team that I know. That's not the Turkey team that took four of a possible six points from France in qualification. And scoring almost over two goals a game yeah, average. That, they, they totally took a different approach, in my opinion, and that totally backfired on them. That, yeah, keep going. Right? Yeah, keep going. I think they're going to go back to, they're going to, in this next two games, they're going to basically say, let's just go back to our old ways. This one didn't work. And they're just going to go back and they're going to. They're gonna blast goals by by Switzerland and by uh, by Wales. That's my honestly opinion of them. My it doesn't change. I still think Turkey's gonna be a shock surprise in the final four. Yeah, like let me read some of these stats. Possession thirty nine to sixty one. Yeah, they they totally sat back. Turkey only had three attempts all game to Italy's twenty four. Yep. They had a total of fourteen attacking movements compared to Italy's seventy three. Uh, corners taken two versus Italy's eight. Pass and accuracy, only 80% versus Italy's 87. <clears throat> passes completed, 299 versus Italy's 555. And passes attempted, 372 to 641. So yeah. Italy completely played them off the park. So I want to ask you that yes. question now before we go into the second half. In your opinion, is that a combination of the way Turkey came out and the way Italy played? Or is that a sign of this Italy team is the real deal? Well, when I was watching this first half, this Italy team was... Listen, even after this game, I'm not 100% convinced by Italy. Let's just put it that way. The, the first half, the midfield, I said it. Us, you know, Mancini built his team around Verratti and Senzi because yeah. they are the players that can receive a ball in tight spaces, dribble out of it, make the quick pass, and not hold on to the ball and make that pass either, like in Sydney. And that's, that's what we said with our four line. They hold on to the ball too long. The midfields are the only ones that do the one-touch, two-touch passing, and that's why Senzi and Verratti are so essential to this 4-3-3 system. And we could see our midfield, for the most part, was invisible this game. Locatelli was a bit 
slow, short of confidence, hesitating yeah. on his shots. But Ella wasn't wasn't too great this game. Yeah. Jorginho was just Jorginho. He didn't do much. Yeah. Uh, you know, solid in front of the defense. But you know, Jorginho's never gonna be a catalyst in the midfield no. in, in the sense of attacking. He'll do it every once, you know, every once in a while. But he he wasn't there this game. He wasn't taken. So the midfield was completely bypassed in this game for me. It was that's why I said Giorgio Chiellini was actually linking the from the back to the yeah. front, and that's where you have to give credit to the guy that we said was going to be Italy's main protagonist up front. But yeah. Ardi. You know, for as many shots as he took that went over the net or wide, he was everywhere. He was trying to, you know, get the initiative going, get the ball rolling for Italy. Yeah. He was making the passes, creating the shots. And eventually it led to the own goal, Demiral, you know, from the Berardi cross. And he was making a nuisance of, of himself. So yeah. Berardi, I think, played a great game. And he, uh, you know, showed what he's going to do for Italy in this tournament. He's going to be a vital piece. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. So let's get into that second half. So let's then. get in. Big, big substitution. I, me personally, I was calling for it. I was telling Christian, and I've said it many times, Florenzi, you know, when we're watching that first half, wasn't making overlap runs. There were so many opportunities, like Christian already said. You know, the, the right side was open, and we were questioning, why aren't they giving the ball to Florenzi? But if you look at Florenzi, he never ran into the space that was given to him. Uh, and we don't know if, you know, we haven't seen the reports yet. We don't know if he was injured. Nothing was said over, over TV. We don't know if he was injured or if it was a tactical substitution, but that substitution right away, Di Lorenzo, what an yeah. impact he made. Christian, yeah, he was, uh, he was absolutely, he was an absolute menace. I mean, when that when it came, when Di Lorenzo was a substitution at halftime, I mean, Jules and I talked. I was asking Jules, I'm like, this doesn't make sense. You know, why, why make this one change now? And what a difference it made, though. I mean, Mancini, I, I, either he's a genius or it's just a complete fluke that. Uh, Florenzi has an injury that nobody knows about, but uh, Di Lorenzo, when he came on, he was uh, he was an absolute nuisance on the right side, and that made both sides now deadly. Yes, because everything was coming in from the left side, and Turkey was just they yeah. didn't know what to do with Spinazzola. Now they had to worry about Di Lorenzo, so exactly. that totally I think that outstretched them and caused the own goal. The nerve settled for Italy, and. Italy went to town the rest of the way. Yeah, I, I agree. That sub completely changed the game game because, yeah. exactly, the left side wasn't our only option now. <clears throat> the second Di Lorenzo came on, he was making those overlap runs. Yeah. It freed up Berardi, too, to get yeah. on the ball more. Uh, it was an excellent sub. And Di Lorenzo yeah. was getting right to the byline, putting crosses in. He he was a he was an attacking threat now, which yeah. Florenzi was... He was invisible the first half. Yeah. And that's, that's why, for me, Florenzi should not be starting in this team. Um, I think uh, I don't I th think he will get the start going into no, the future games. I think uh, Di Lorenzo is going to be the guy. Yeah, and then I think after that they're probably going to go with Toloi um, on the for right the side. defensive solidity. The, I know. So yeah. So so what what did you think about the second half performance? We got the goal, own goal. Yeah, and then a two more after that. You know, even though it was an own goal, I think you know if if uh, what's his name oh, his name. For who? Italy? No, for Turkey. It's Bobby. Demiral. Demiral, there we yes. go. Juve's finest there. If Demiral <laughs> wasn't there, I think Chiro would have got his foot to it. I um, think he would have missed them. <laughs> no, I think that goal was so important because even though it was, as you would say, an ugly goal, it really calmed the nerves down for Italy. It opened Turkey up because they had to press, and then Italy just went to work. Like five, that second yeah. half. Over five years of attention right there yeah. in that own goal. Yeah. That, and, th and this is all time the biggest – this is the highest scoring home opener ever yeah. for uh, three now. So yeah. Italy 
setting a record here too. Yeah, Italy's setting a record, and realistically, winning three nothing and getting three points in your first game with the way it is set up, where the four best third place teams go in, Italy's pretty much through to the round of sixteen. Yeah. I think it's safe to say, unless they get blown out by Switzerland and Wales, so Italy's well on their way to the knockout rounds already. Which is this, which is why this tournament format is so strange to me, right? Like, you, how can you say that after one game? Realistically, yeah, it, it, it does look that way. Um, but just in the second half, this Italy team was just fantastic. Um, John Luigi Donnarumma didn't have to do much at all. But he was excellent when he called into play. It was excellent. The only thing I want to I want to talk to talk to you about was, I mean, I know we were talking about it when we were watching it with everybody, but that that boneheaded style of the corner kick with Berardi. Oh my gosh! Like what's that up? And then you know he's we offside. Were, we were calling it. You're offside. You're offside. He makes a pass, and he, yeah, and, he, like, and then well, they're surprised that they're offside. Yeah. And then they went to go do it again. Yeah, it, it's it's weird. It's, it's like what are you guys doing in training? It's weird. Oh, all week. Seriously, it's weird. But. Uh, I was really happy with the substitutions that Mancini made. I was really happy to see Brian Cristante. He got some minutes. I honestly think this guy's going to play a pivotal role in this Italian national team, especially with this midfield, with the way it's gone now, because the amount of injuries, the amount of injuries with this midfield, Brian's now probably your number four, right? Do we still rate Italy's midfield as one of the best in the tournament? I don't know. It's, it's tough because Locatelli cannot fill those shoes. It's very evident. He cannot, so what does Mancini have? What are his options? He has Pessina, who's not the same style player as a Verratti or a Sanzi. And he's got Castrovilli now, who's definitely not that kind of player. So the closest thing you have is a guy like Brian, but he's really not that style either, right? Brian's a guy that will sit in front of the defense if you're playing counterattack. And I think... I honestly think he's a really good midfielder and he can play anywhere. And I have a lot of respect for Brian. But... Uh, yeah, it's just this midfield. There's going to be a lot. There's a lot more questions than there are answers right now. I think the def- the the brilliance of Giorgio Chiellini and the forwards finally clicking in the second half kind of uh, put a put a bed sheet over the midfield. And I think the midfield now that is probably the biggest uncertainty now. Seriously, so it went from our strength to our biggest uncertainty to our biggest uncertainty. I mean, yeah. the defense. I think showed that they're gonna handle themselves pretty well. I think so until I, until until they get really challenged. Yeah, there was that one moment where the, the, the Turkish player found a through ball uh, yeah. to number nine. His name's not. I think it was. Uh, his name's not coming to my head. But anyway, he found the channel between Spinazzola and Chiellini. Yeah, you know. It, they didn't really do much with it, but we'll see. When when they face the big teams with a little bit of speed behind the that's lines, where the test that's is when the real be. test exactly that's is gonna where the going to come in. Turkey so far, arguably is their – I honestly think in this group, Turkey was their toughest Yeah, test. so we'll, we'll see. it. Either Italy is phenomenal. If yeah. Turkey is really a true yeah. semifinalist here, uh, it was either Italy was phenomenal or Turkey was just horrendous on yeah. that day. Yeah. Uh, but, or maybe you know maybe Italy made them play terrible. Yeah, is what I'm trying to get at. And, and Italy's that good, but we will find out as the tournament goes. Yeah, we'll find out for sure. Um, what would you rate? So we talked a little bit about Insigne Chiro. How would you rate the offense? But Ardi in there too. But Ardi makes a huge difference. Yeah, I don't think we win three nothing if it wasn't for Domenico Berardi. Where you look at his involvement, and you look at his involvement in the first goal, his involvement in the second goal with Chiro. Um, I mean, the third goal was the third goal with Insigne, right? But uh, Domenico Berardi is huge for this. And I, I think we said that before the tournament started. We did, we he's, did. It, he, it's on him. He's the most informed Italian player on the planet right now. And I think it's going to stick with him. You have to run with him. 
I think I think the one critique I have with Lorenzo Insigne is I think he stayed on too long. He touched the ball way too many times. He was skying the ball. I'm glad he scored because maybe that will get the jitters out for him. I hope so too. And he can build up some confidence from there. But if he doesn't, I think you got to pull the trigger and you got to run with Berardi and Chiesa on the flanks. I really do think you have to do that. Um, but we'll see. Cheeto, I'm thrilled he scored. He needed that. He and, needed the, that. and the whole team too, celebrating with yeah, him again, it meant a ton. He needed that. It was a big, big, big weight off his shoulders. Um, very happy for him. Could this give him confidence going into the next two games? I think so. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what they do against the Swiss. Mind you, the Swiss don't play till tomorrow, so we don't know what they're going to look like. But we know the Swiss are probably going to be, in the words of Jose Mourinho, bastards. Um, and <laughs> and by bastards, I mean they're going to just sit back and be tough and, and gritty. And uh, they're probably going to be the most defensive sit back, stay in your shell team in this group. So uh, they might be a harder nut to crack than Turkey might be, right? So, And I think that's where we're going to we're we're gonna gonna struggle. I mean, yeah. I was kind of calling it in the Turkish game. I said, we just need that one goal. It's going to open up the floodgates with Turkey. And it as happened. soon as the one goal happened, it opened up the yeah, floodgates. But before up. that, it was just felt like it was a struggle. It was like, and yeah. it was pass, 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 pass. And the one thing we were talking about too at halftime, we're like, well, with Pellegrini out, who who else do we exactly. have now that's going to be able to shoot outside the 18-yard exactly. box? The only guy that was willing to do it is Berardi. It was great to see Locatelli take a shot, but you but can you, see. Like we already said, he, he hesitated. Yeah. Locatelli was looking for the pass first, and then he hit it. You know, the, conf yeah. the confidence isn't there for some no, reason from the midfielders to hit but the ball. But it was great to see guys like Benucci and Chiellini just, you know what, I'm going to have it. And that, yeah. And, and that kind of set the tone. And credit okay, to them, we can. And credit to them, too, on set pieces. Another thing we got to add to Chiellini. So yeah, he, he almost scored off ahead. Yeah, he was taking the initiative with the passing, and he took our real first chance. Yeah. And the goalie made an outstanding save from Turkey. Uh, I was going top shelf until the goalie yeah. flew parallel to the crossbar and tipped it over. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, Chiellini took the initiative in that game nonstop. Yeah. Um, now, I don't want to get ahead of myself here. I don't want to get ahead of ourselves at all. But I'm going to ask you this quick question yes. before we go to the next part. If Giorgio Chiellini has a tournament like this, does he warrant another year at Juve? Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Of course. I think so. It's like I told you, though. It's, it's, or it's like we both said before the tournament started. If Bonucci and Chiellini have a brilliant tournament... These are going to be our two going to Qatar 2022. And if they are horrendous, then it's time for the new guard. You know what? As long as they earn it, that's all I care about. Yeah. They have to earn it. Yeah. It just, I don't like. They've earned it this game. Yes. They've earned it, earned it this game. game. They've earned it this game. I just hate seeing freebies being thrown out at some players. Yeah. Uh, but Kalini definitely earned it this game. Yeah. That was that was a captain's performance. If he, if he wasn't in this game, I think it could have been worse. Could have been worse. Yeah, different. Yeah, Definitely. that was a captain's performance. You had that leadership, so congratulations to Italy. Big three nothing win. I can't tell you how thrilled we are uh, for that win. It's it's fantastic, and uh, you know we can't. We're with you guys every step of the way. So Forza Azzurri, um, and on to the next, on to the next game. Yes. So let's talk about let, let let's do some quick previews predictions for the the rest of the games in match day one. 
Uh, and then we'll be back to recap match day one and then talk about match day two in our next podcast. So yes. that's, that's kind of how the coverage is going to work. Perfect. Uh, so, yeah, let's go through them. Let's go through them. Let's go Group A. So the next game is going to be Wales-Switzerland. Yeah. What are we expecting quickly? This is going to be a tough one. I, I don't know. I, I This is a Welsh team that I don't think is good. It's not going to impress me. I mean, you're, you're relying on Aaron Ramsey and Gareth Bale, who are, in my opinion, don't have it anymore. Um, as crazy as that sounds about Gareth Bale, he's a talented player, but he's just not the Gareth Bale he once was. Coming up against a Switzerland team uh, that are masters at getting out of the group and then doing nothing after that. Defensively, I think, like I said, they're going to be, in the words of Jose Mourinho, bastards. Uh, Jose Mourinho's favorite bastard, Granit Chaka, who is on his way to Roma, is probably going to be leading that Switzerland midfield. Uh, I expect a stubborn Swiss team in this game, uh, going up against a Welsh team that I think is weak. In my honest opinion, I think this game is going to end in a Switzerland win. I think it's going to be a very narrow one nothing win for Switzerland. How about yourself? Taking that too. I think yeah. the Swiss are flat-track bullies. They beat who they should, and they always lose to the teams that are better than them. Exactly. Uh, Wales do have some nice pieces in, in Brooks and Wilson, Gareth Bale. Uh, they have some very nice pieces going forward. but And the coach... He has solidified the defense. But tournament football, it's a different story. We'll see what they're made out of character-wise. It's a, it's a young team with some veterans in it. Switzerland are a tried-and-tested side. Big leaders, big names in the squad. Harris Safedovic up top, too, is a weapon. So the big man. I mean, the Swiss, I think they just edge them out on quality. I don't see a big difference between the two, but I think exactly the Swiss edge them out. Yeah. So the next match of the day... Is going to be Denmark filling, so a bit of a battle in Copenhagen. In Copenhagen, so huge home advantage for Denmark. Yep. A bit of a Scandinavian. I don't know if they consider Finland part of the Scandinavian crew. They I don't do. know. That's going to ruffle some feathers up there if they're more Norse for Scandinavian. I mean, that's out of my department, but a bit of a rivalry here. What do we think is going to happen in this game, Christian? Uh, honestly, in my opinion, I think I'll say it flat out. Denmark's at home. Denmark's got way too much quality. People are picking Denmark to possibly make a magical run to the semifinals. Uh, They play a very boring style of football, but it gets the job done. They have some phenomenal pieces. Yusef Polson, Simon Kiar, Kasper Schmeichel, uh, Christian Eriksen, to name a few, and um, Kasper Dahlberg. There's so many pieces here. Finland making their... Their debut at a major tournament, uh, relying on old man Timu Puki. Uh, he's, uh, I honestly just think it's got one-way traffic written in it, and I think Denmark is going to do very well here. I agree. Next match, Belgium-Russia. Belgium-Russia. I expect the Belgian domination here. These, these are, this is, uh, this is a team, this is kind of a team that Belgium should just walk through especially with uh, one of the, the hottest strikers on the planet in Romelu Lukaku. Uh, I think this is a team that he can just beat up on. I give Russia no chance here to meet Belgium. Yeah, I agree. I think this is one of those games Romelu uh, yeah. pats those stats. If Romelu's going to win the golden boot, he's going to beat yeah. up on teams like this. Yes. So then we head on to the 13th of June, Sunday. Mm-hmm. Big game at 9 o'clock. Yeah. Our time. Yeah. England, Croatia, repeat of the semifinal for yeah. the 2018 World Cup. Uh, this is going to be a battle of the midfield. You're going to have Modric, Brozovic, uh, Kovacic versus possibly Rice. Uh, I'm going to assume Jude Bellingham. Maybe Henderson gets in there or Foden. It's going to be interesting. I think we've mentioned this many times. Is Gareth Southgate up to snuff to be the England manager to, to be able to push these guys to the next level with all the 
attack and talent they have. Mourinho just came out on uh, Talksport Radio recently, talked about how the shoe-ins for this team should be uh, Grealish and Harry Kane up top. Does Grealish even get the start? There's going to be a lot of question marks. Yeah. Uh, Gareth Southgate, obviously, I think he's going to be missing Harry Maguire for the two first two games. Will he go to three at the back? Because he doesn't trust in Stones, for instance, uh, yeah. 100% to lead the back, which I find ridiculous. Um, so a lot of question marks around England. Still the favorites to win the tournament. Yeah. But again, I think their big Achilles heel is their manager. He has to show his worth uh, this game. Christian, do you think the the veterans, we're going to say, and in, in, in seasoned veterans in Croatia, finalists from the 2018 World Cup, do they give England a run? Do they beat them? I mean, they are missing their big man, Mandzukic, too, through retirement. Yeah, I mean, uh, Croatia has historically, the past, especially the past decade, a little bit over the decade, has been a thorn in England's side. Uh, Gareth Southgate, in my opinion, is probably one of the worst managers at this tournament, just with the lack of choices. Um, I just can't believe that a that a team like England with so much talent uh, has a manager like that, um, just with the the choices he makes and the snubs that he makes uh, with this team. And I mean, I listen. I I am uh, I'm not trying to find a weak spot in this England team. It's just the way it is. I I. I've, I honestly think this English team, talent-wise, player-wise, is phenomenal. Just your manager's your problem. Um, and it, you won't know how good your manager is until he goes up against the big dogs. Um, and I don't think – I don't see Croatia as a big dog in this tournament. I actually see Croatia as, you know, they're going to get out of the group, but that's all they're going to do. This yeah. is a team that historically punches – always punches above its weight, but it's a very, it's a very old squad. Um, and I just don't think they have the legs anymore for yeah, it. Yeah, that's the biggest question mark. So I think England's going to win this game, and everybody's going to put England on the ch- on the f- on the chart. But it's I think it's kind of it's the wrong message because Croatia, in my opinion, is not a big dog in this tournament. But they're going to be seen as a big dog because of who else is in this group, right? But to me, England win this game. Fair enough. And we have Daniele Orzato, the Italian, with. Uh, Italians on VAR as well. So. Beware of all the penalties. There's going to be a penalty somewhere. Some penalties, exactly. <laughs> or Zato likes to let the game go, but the VAR officials are going to give a penalty here. 100%. 100%. <laughs> Next match at noon, Austria, North Macedonia. Quick, yeah. what do you think? Uh, this is where I think we're going to see a shock. I think we're going to see North Macedonia just surprise this Austria team. Austria has got a lot of great names in there, but uh, I just... I. Th- I, for some reason, I think Macedonia has the ability to pull off an upset. I think they're going to get hammered every other game, but they're going to beat Austria, and that's going to somehow sneak them into the round of 16. Uh, like to see Goran Pandev come out, score a goal. That'd be friggin' awesome yes, to see be. that. And uh, Elmas playing as well. Very exciting talent from Serie A. So for me, pick the upset, North Macedonia. All right. I, I beg to differ, but I'm going to lead with I'm going to lean with Austria. I just think they're younger, uh, more talented, but we'll see. Uh, so that's Austria North Macedonia at noon. Next, last game of the day on Sunday, and it's a big game too for the for Group C: Netherlands versus Ukraine. Yeah, this could decide who finishes first in the group. Yeah. So, well, tell me how, what you think of this game. What are your thoughts? <clears throat> for me, the Dutch, I did give them uh, in our preview show. A, a, I thought they were gonna do pretty good. I think I put them right into the semifinals. Now, I've heard Frank DeBoer do a couple of press conferences. and <laughs> He doesn't even know the players he has in his he squad. He doesn't know the players in his squad, so I'm, I'm kind of doubting that prediction now. But the talent is there. they got a terrific spine. Mateus De Ligt, we've already went through the, the Vrij, uh, Wijnaldum, 
the uh, the young up top. So Memphis is well included in there. Spine's terrific. This Dutch team is loaded with talent. Ukraine's a young team, fast, just doesn't have the goal scorer. So it's going to come down to on the day, I think the quality of, of the Dutch, I think, is going to overtake the Ukraine, but it's going to be tough. I think this is probably going to be one of the most exciting group stage games. It's mm -hmm. going to be back and forth this game. So one to watch out for. Christian, what do you think? Uh, I beg to differ. I think, uh, I think the Ukraine are going to be the favorites to win the group. In my, they're my favorites to win the group. I think they have what it takes. This Netherlands team is a mess, especially with Frank De Boer at the helm. They are just a disaster. Um, they have the talent for sure, but uh, organization-wise, they are severely, severely, severely poor. I mean, when you have, we've seen this with other nations, and I will throw this name out there: Poland. You have a team with, a, you've had a team for the past four or five years with a lot of talent, like Robert Lewandowski, and you've had a terrible coach that doesn't know how to organize them, and then they always flop. Uh, so I think Frank De Boer is the same way. He's ruined many teams. He's ruined Atlanta United. He's ruined Inter Milan. Uh, who else is he ruined? He's ruined a lot of teams. <laughs> he's ruined everybody. How, some, how, how he managed to stumble into this job with Holland is because nobody else wanted it at the time. Uh, he's going to ruin all of Kuman's work. And to me, Ukraine's going to win this game. All right, next game on the Monday, Hampton Park, Glasgow, Scotland versus the Czech Republic. Huge game because <sighs> this, this is a decider for... Like a third place. Third place, so... Yeah, um, this is a, a tough game. Uh, you know, Scotland at home. Is huge. Glasgow is huge. First tournament since '98. Major tournament since '98. Like, where are all my Scottish friends at? Like, get I, know. I haven't get seen one here. Scottish flag out. Get out here! What the heck's going on? Pete Young, I'm calling you out, man. You should be pumped that they're back. I know. I, me personally, I had the Czech finishing ahead of Scotland, but I didn't yeah. look at the home venue for this. I think Scotland. There's no way they lose at home to the Czech. So I'm actually going to lean towards Scotland. I think Scotland. Czech, yeah. Okay. I. I beg to differ. I don't think the pieces are there for Scotland. Um, I just, I think they're really excited to be there. Honestly, I think they're going to be tough. They're going to be difficult to beat for every team in this group. And that's why I think their third place team is never going to come out of this group because Scotland may be, and I put this in quotations, the whipping boy of the group, but they're going to make you guys pay because they're going to be physical they're going to be the Jose Mourinho bastards in this, <laughs> in this group. Uh, so to me, I think they will make the Czech struggle. Czech Republic, I think, has some good talent there. I just don't see a clear winner here. So I'm going to say a draw in this game. All right, next match, Poland and Slovakia head-to-head. -head. Slovakia edges them on one win. Uh, playing in St. Petersburg, yeah. Russia, yeah. Poland, Slovakia. Yeah, um, never a good sign when Poland's playing yeah. in Russia. So, what do we think about that? Honestly, I I love this Polish team. I think they're good. I think they got all the pieces there. Uh, my father-in-law begs to differ. He says uh, they're just there for the three games and they'll be out. I don't think so. Uh, with Paulo Souza, you have a world-class coach that's going to organize this Polish team really well. If Poland's going to make it out of this group, they know they have to smash on the Slovakian team that are the whipping boys of this group here. Uh, so for me, I think Poland's going to come out, and they're going to come out strong. They're going to come out hungry. They're going to come out attacking, and they're going to win this game. Awesome. Next match is at the La Cartua well, Stadium. Tell us what you think. I, I think Poland should beat Slovakia. Okay. I'm just making sure, you I'm, know. I'm just making sure. Poland to win. La Cartuya Stadium, Seville, Spain versus Sweden. Yeah. Now, for me, Spain I had as one of my finalists yeah. against France. Spain now going through a COVID crisis. All the players are going through individual training regimes, so their entire 
pre-tournament plans have been thrown up in the air. Oh, yeah. Uh, so we're going to see how Spain hits the ground running. It's either going to be a complete disaster for them uh, or not. So Spain, Sweden is going to be a, a good litmus, litmus test. I still think they have a quality. I think being at home in Seville, too, will help them uh, get past Sweden. I mean, head-to-head, -head, they have the edge over Sweden as well. So I think Spain will edge out Sweden in this game. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. I think Spain's got enough in the tank to, to take this Swedish team out. Yeah, COVID crisis or not, Yeah, I think. Uh, and then the last games, Tuesday, before we start all over again. Yeah. Group of death. Here we go. Cristiano Ronaldo and Portugal opening up against Hungary in Budapest, Hungary. Yeah. Will that play a factor for Hungary? I don't think so. I think uh, it's nice that Hungary's playing two of their three games in Budapest. It's very nice for their fans, but Hungary are going to be the whipping boys of this tournament. Portugal do not want to come out of the great stumbling. This is a game they have to win, I think, because if you go, then you're going up against Germany and France. So in my books, Portugal has to win this game. Portugal's going to come out hungry. Cristiano Ronaldo's going to have a field day, and he's going to break a lot of Hungarian hearts in Budapest. So book the Portugal win for me. Portugal going to be more hungry than hungry. Awesome. I agree. Portugal for the win. Three o'clock game. Eastern time here. France, Germany, in Munich. This is going to be an exciting game. It will be. We're it's not going to be a walk in the park. No, we're going to see what the Germans are made of here. Yeah. After that debacle against North Macedonia. The Germans, uh, like we said, recalling Hummels and Thomas Muller back to the team. What do we expect out of this game? Well... I think, uh, to me, I mean, we've talked about France and how well this team, this team's like a well-oiled machine. Yeah. So, I guess a German team that looks like it's a mess. I just think this German team, you never count them out. They are at home. They got the home. They always do well when they're at home. Um, and uh, I just think it's going to be a grind. But to me, I think the French somehow find a way. They maybe squeak out a two to one victory here. I'm actually gonna go a bit back of my prediction. I think uh this game being in Munich, Portugal is gonna be top in the group after this uh first round. I think France and Germany are gonna draw it out. I think the two teams are very even. I don't think either team's gonna wanna lose yeah. the first game right off the bat. And uh you know, as good as France and Germany are, both teams do have glaring weaknesses, and we kind of gone through this. If you if you look at France, they they play very narrow for a, a team as talented as they are. They play very narrow. They play in a diamond formation. They don't play with wingers, although they have great wingers. Mm -hmm. uh, their wing backs really don't get up the field too much. I mean, you're running Pavard and Lucas Dean. They're not too adventurous. Luca gets up the field a little bit more, but he's not going to push too much. Um, and then the center backs, they're going to be, you can get at them. Varane is culpable for a mistake. Yeah. Uh, so France, they're going to have their hands full. They, they, they're going to have a lot to work out midfield-wise as well. We said they can be overran. I think if a team approaches them with a lot of energy uh, and is very direct, they can put France under a lot of pressure. But, of course, France's biggest weapon, Kylian Mbappe, Benzema, Griezmann, Giroud, the attack is just ridiculous. So you can't overstretch yourself so i think the germans it's going to be interesting to see how they come out i think uh this is not going to be as offensive of a german team as we usually see the the past couple years i think they're going to be a little bit more conservative conservative try and control the game you're going to see yeah. france sit back try and hit them on the counter and i just see both teams kind of canceling each other out just feeling it out 
first game of the tournament, no one wants to really come off on a loss, like we said. So, for me, a draw. Okay. I said France win. France win. So, that sums up round one before yeah. we head over uh, and do it all over again for round two. So, yeah. enjoy the games. Enjoy the games. And uh, I think that's it for today. Yeah. Keeping it nice, short, and sweet. Yeah. And we'll keep these episodes coming at you after every uh, Italy game while they're fresh in our, in our, <laughs> yeah, in our minds. But what a game by Italy today. Oh, what a statement when it was nice. What a relief. Five, five years in the making. Five years in the making. So uh, Forza Azzurri. Forza Italia, baby. <laughs> Forza Italia. And until uh, Wednesday. Yeah. What time is the game again? Three o'clock. Three o'clock against the Swiss. So against the Swiss. Let's go Italia. Oh, let's go. Forza ragazzi. Ciao. Ciao ragazzi. <laughs>